0: Merry Christmas, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Emergency Nine Golf Podcast. I'm Mike here with McLean and Jay. Back for another episode. Here we are on uh, Christmas week or Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. Happy holidays, if I want to be politically correct out there. there. But let's be honest. Merry Christmas.
1: <laughs> you don't want to cut our audience in half. You got to just say happy holidays.
0: Okay, Happy holidays. <laughs> Everyone loves Christmas because put it this way, they're getting work off. So yeah. Because of it, yeah. one way or the other. But uh, guys, hope you're doing well and had a good weekend. Um, I had too much to drink yesterday. Jay was there. <laughs> you look good to me, buddy. I know I feel fine. I really do. I didn't didn't drink as much as my wife. We'll just say that. <laughs> <laughs> she had fun too. She had a great time. Very very fun time. Um, it's a good good Christmas party. It was great That's Christmas a good, party. Great holiday party. There you. <laughs> good catch yeah good catch so um your boys on all right, mclean you having fun over there
2: fantastic just prepared for uh, a wonderful christmas week you know with the weather down here we're really getting in the christmas spirit um it's allowing us to you know achieve certain feelings that i've never achieved before so I'm really excited
0: <laughs> it's actually hell it's gonna be in the 60s year in richmond Uh, on saturday yeah it's calling
2: for 79 christmas day so like i said feelings i'm not not used to but uh very excited same way we've got some family coming in town a couple good things planned um looks like we're doing some uh steaks christmas eve and a little oyster roast christmas day so
1: wow there you uh, go
2: excited for some family festivities to say the very least
1: We're, we're, we're doing the same we're gonna do some oysters either christmas eve or christmas day so good times we're gonna yeah we're gonna roast them on the grill and then uh eat them on the half shell there as we would in my family
0: we're doing back-to-back nights of italian
1: nice because
0: that's what we do <laughs> the Maron- I mean, the maronis do italian well yeah can so, we hey.
2: can we get a little bit more in-depth description i mean what are we what are we talking here
0: i was not prepared for the follow-up um i don't really know exactly in all honesty i was told at some point but I don't, I'm not doing any of the cooking. So I kind of just said, all right, whatever. I'm going to eat it. It's going to be delicious. Safer for everybody. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I'm not totally positive what we're eating, but I'm pretty sure it's Italian back to back nights. I do know that. Nice. So uh, what are you guys drinking tonight? I'm on a fruity, fruity kick right now. I was going to say, you yeah. look, it was like red or something.
1: I'm drinking like a vodka. It's like a vodka drink. I just, I don't think that. <laughs> I was dehydrated today. I was, of of day, he so knows I was like, is. Let me go with a let me go with a vodka drink and hydrate a little bit today. Chugging seltzers again trying to get hydrated. Yeah. No, it's like yeah, it's like a seltzer water, you know, like a some fruit fruit drink that Aaron had and then in the refrigerator and then some vodka. So, you know, yeah. feel feel like I'm getting hydrated and then I'll have a bourbon in the second half of the show there you go yeah, i just love this the try try to recover
2: there late with the bourbon but also the questions <laughs> around the drink he made like he doesn't know
0: what the he fuck never he, is. he never answered you he doesn't want to admit home. what's in the drink i,
2: I really if you're don't, not it, at the bar you didn't walk into the the bar and ask for a specialty cocktail
1: no 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 it's i really it's a some fruity it's like a juice some yeah. juice and the seltzer water and vodka so i don't even know what the i just saw uh, like a juice thing in the it was red, whatever. I, I really not, don't know. What not it
2: making it better.
1: Yeah, It's a berry. Some type of berry. <laughs> you
0: forgot the umbrella.
1: Well, guys, <laughs> I'm, I drink bourbon every single time we do the show. And the one time I get me, I try to hydrate here. Uh, yep, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Also, I, I really, is... I still don't know what the juice is. But this is next what we time do. I go to the refrigerator. I'll tell you what juice it is.
2: I just also love that we're all on here. Like, yeah, we're trying to hydrate with vodka. <laughs> <laughs> fucking we hydration we station we could have given we. you shit
1: for that but we didn't
2: yeah i i, I more applaud that i mean yeah
1: yeah I that's, like it. that's true i feel i feel great now that i had this
2: hey if it's clear liquor
0: you know <laughs>
2: i don't get drunk off white liquor
0: <laughs> uh, are you on uh corona light there pal as he walks away sorry 100 percent. yeah okay.
2: i'm on the <laughs> way to grab another one as we speak I I, okay. I I did get up at an untimely point the refrigerator <laughs> is close by so i was like yeah I'll just grab one quickly yeah it does make sense that i was third in the rotation there.
0: well i haven't gone yet but typically i go last that's how it goes okay. so you know Fair. Fair. you were next anyways go go get your corona light
2: it, it's definitely corona light though we can move on from
0: my yes. segment all right thanks. perfect thanks
1: are you so mikey you're back in the i'm back in the sat my satellite
0: studio now uh for the second straight week at the my wife's office at the rpm world headquarters and i am uh want a little e.h taylor tonight boys oh you dipped into the e.h taylor small bag okay now courtesy of her there's there's consent here okay this is a consensual sip I was given permission from Matt Branningham to dip into his EH Taylor. He told me where it was. He even texted me a lineup this afternoon of what he had in his office for me to drink. And what you should drink. And so uh um, here you are. It is fucking yep. good. That's good stuff. Cheers to you. Cheers to Matt Branningham. But again, I didn't steal the good stuff. This was volunteered to me. And I was my, not gonna say no.
1: My stuff is locked up in my in my uh little cabinet that i've got in the office i forgot i would have you could go in there and get it too i've got some mckenna 10 in there Mm. so i think i'm here next week too so i'll remember that there you go there you go (laughs)
0: um i I need a new uh, bourbon barrel at home mine is pretty much full i can't fit another bottle in there i don't think or you can drink some of it Uh, yes i can um but i've been gifted like six bottles of bourbon this week
1: Nice. What did you get? You you sent me that uh you showed me that you got that Kentucky Owl.
0: Kentucky Owl um Knob Creek uh Weller Antique. I guess that was 2 mm. weeks ago, but um I actually got two bottles of the Kentucky Owl. How about that? Nice. So, and then I can I don't know. I can't remember, but yeah, it's been a lot <laughs> Run, running out of space.
1: You know, that's it's a nice gift, but then at the same time you're like, what what is that what type of uh, image am I portraying to my friends here that all they give me is liquor? Just party? like you, you had that issue at your birthday party. Yeah. <laughs> it was giving me, It's was like, oh, okay, I guess I look like that guy who drinks too much and everyone knows that I'll drink it. Yeah. We're just got we to own get in Jay. there for years, pal. <laughs> yeah. So last week
0: you identified as a fat guy. Now do you identify as a drunk too? Is that how this works? I guess it's Sorry, all of
2: fat them. drunk. I thought I cleared that up. Yeah. Like- <laughs> It's a fat drop. Yeah, a fat drop. <laughs> no
0: kidding. <Okay. laughs> so um I guess let's let's get into some some golf, right? We had a huge weekend. A huge weekend in golf. The PNC Father Son Championship has turned into a blockbuster event. Thanks to a 12-year-old kid and his dad, who happened to have the last name Woods. Yeah. Yes, John Daly and Little John, although he's not really little anymore.
1: Um, he prefers to go by John Daly the second now. Okay. Sure. <laughs> I still call him Little John. He's Little John.
0: Um, so they did win, but that's the end of the story there for them. It, it was all Tiger and Charlie Woods. Everyone was excited to see Tiger back in action, albeit a hit and giggle as he described it. Um, just so much coverage on the golf channel in anticipation for this. And they were talking about all the media credentials that were like just getting call after call after call for people to go down there and get, get press credentials to, to cover it.
1: I mean, did we get, did they send you? We
0: are members of the media, but we did not. We decided to not (laughs) bug them with more phone calls and emails. So, I thought that we
2: cleared it up last week that we were officially in. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. My immediate outreach did not no get a response. Hell on but deaf ears. on. But don't worry, They're, it's their loss. Really, there's still opportunity. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of majors <laughs> coming up. That's right.
0: We're just we're just gonna you know Tiger always you know tried to peak at the right moments for the majors. That's what we're trying to do. We're just gonna peak. We're on this crescendo to April guys and I, then I, i'm sure i'm sure augusta will give us a press credential
2: well here's the craziest part about this let's say it works <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what do you do then Hold on. no no it's it's the greatest thing in the world next thing you know everyone and their brother's like hey you want to go to the master start a podcast <laughs> we're in i'm in we're going to pebble and saint andrews we got we got everywhere nailed down it'd be awesome uh
0: so yeah, I guess what did you guys what did you guys take away from the from the weekend and, and Tiger and hold uh, on
2: hold on hold on before we move past this real quick I have one last thing just to button that up if a golf raider can be a golf raider I can be a member of the media <laughs> <laughs> if golf if, if golf course raiders is uh, let's not go down that rabbit hole again yeah I already feel myself getting triggered uh, <laughs> you're
0: gonna trigger me. <laughs> <laughs>
2: We'd have a whole show.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, move, yeah. On. move on. Um, so, yeah, what would you guys make of it? Obviously, they made a, a, a charge from the actual competitive standpoint. They had a, a set of record, 11 straight birdies yesterday. Actually made two pars on par fives yesterday, which is pretty much why they lost the event right there, part of the 18th hole. But um, what would you make of their run yesterday, Charlie's game, Tiger's game, the way he's hitting the ball? I guess all of it. Well. What, what was your biggest takeaway?
2: I mean, there's just too much not to like about all of it. I mean, there's so many different takeaways from it. It's Let's let's look at the most obvious takeaway from it. Um, Charlie Woods is, wow. Um, I feel very inclined not to get too far ahead as a member of the meeting. <laughs> um, however, at the same time, We need to look at what he did. I think, again, I know we mentioned this before the show, but the way he was able to um, land his irons, his mid irons with such spin at such a young age was something that I was incredibly impressed upon leave everything else out. I mean, the confidence, the swagger, the way he hit the driver was incredible. I mean, he hit that little one-sided fade, um, Absolutely incredible. Again, I can't believe we're sitting here breaking down a 12 year old, but (laughs) at the same time, I mean, I don't want to get way too far ahead of ourselves, but it was incredible to see someone um, with that level of talent. And I know there's other kids out there that have that level of talent that don't have the cameras on them. Um, But at the same time, it was very, very cool to see how far Charlie has come. I'm not going to go any farther with that because the pressure, the expectation, everything that's coming along with what he's done is unfortunate for a 12-year-old. He has so many more hoops to and hurdles to have to get over. I mean, at the same time, what I don't think a lot of people are thinking about is how much he has to ignore. Also, how much he will have to ignore when he gets 16. He has an unlimited budget. I mean, think about it. The kid from 16 to 25 is going to have the world by the tail. Does he stay focused to want to play golf full time or does he go chase? You know, <laughs> so you know, Danny's that, hostesses? that's where. Ex- well, come on, that's where that is. Uh, looking past that, mo- moving past the Charlie of it, Tiger was incredible, played better than I think any of us would have ever imagined. Um, it doesn't surprise me what we saw with him off the tee. Uh, I will say I saw him hit 174 ball speed. That That is incredibly impressive considering his injury. Incredibly impressive considering his injury. I'm not getting ready to say that he's getting ready to do anything on tour because I can be, and I think anyone would agree, it's too early to see whether or not he can walk 18 holes, 36 holes, 54 holes. We, we haven't even gotten to a full PGA Tour event, much less practice rounds included. So the walking aspect, and he said he will not use carts we see that he can drive the golf cart to a golf ball and hit good golf shots. Still that I don't think that's surprising really to anyone. Um, it's whether or not he can sustain through multiple days of walking a golf course. And I really think it's so, it's so it's just way too early to tell. Um, we have so much time ahead of us. He has, he still has a lot of recovery to do as well, guys, you know, not to mention that aspect of it. So we know he can get stronger and he will get more mobile to what aspect, to what extent, you know, that's, what's going to be up for, uh, uh, yeah uh, time will tell time will tell
0: going back to charlie a little bit and then we can dive deeper into, into tiger I, I think it's just impressive like his swing is awesome from a mechanic standpoint Incredible. he hits the ball well he does not but what I, I think i took away the, the biggest thing he doesn't look phased by any of it i mean the kid's a rock star already you see him walking through the crowds people taking pictures of him you know chanting his name and he's just like tunnel vision like let's go We're on a, i'm on a job i gotta go to the next hole and make a birdie and like I mean, he, this kid is laser focused, zeroed in, in like none of the, you would think a 12 year old do at, at that kind of event would walk around with eyes wide open and like so excited. And this kid was, he was businesslike. It was like, just like
1: his father. I mean, it was uncanny. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I i wasn't surprised with it at all. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I hate to say that. I mean, it, he's super impressive, but it wasn't, it wasn't surprising. I mean, he's got his father, his his coach is the most laser-focused professional golfer that we've ever seen. So there's no reason that he would be too far from that. Um, <clears throat> and I mean, in terms of what you were you were saying earlier, McLean, I don't I don't feel bad for that kid at all. Uh, not one single bit. He's got he's got the best coach. Not and when I say coach, not swing instructor, I'm talking golf coach because he's got one, I mean, arguably the best player of all time. So, I mean, yes, he's got some limitations in terms of his privacy and, and the things that Tiger struggled with, but in terms of if he likes golf and he wants to be great at golf, I don't feel he's got everything at his disposal, uh, to be great. And he's, he's showing that he, he can handle it and he wants to do this. Um, and even tiger said, he's like, look, it's up to him. like, i like, I'm, I'm going to help him do whatever I can to help him get to where he wants to be, but it's up to him. And, and. It looks like he's doing it because um I mean he was he was impressive uh from a skills skill set standpoint. I mean it's you know 12-year-old kid, he's not very big as compared comparatively speaking to other 12-year-olds, but like you said, mclean still has good ball speed, but the how how cleanly he made contact with every every shot, iron shots, chip shots, wedge shots. That's more um, impressive
2: yeah, uh, at was, this point. The, it, at speed at this point is irrelevant. He's so young. He has so much more growing to do. His muscles are going to grow and he's going to get so much larger. You know, he's going to have plenty of speed. The mechanics of his golf swing, we'll all agree, awesome. were absolutely incredible. But to me, like I said, the fact that he's making such solid contact that he's able to hit a mid iron into the green and check it up and spin it, okay. it doesn't land and just bounce through the green on poor quality surfaces.
1: Well, on that on that note, now I don't I don't know what I don't know what ball Charlie was playing, but I do know his dad plays the spinniest ball on tour. So he which is which is it, you know, it's funny because everyone's playing this lower spin ball. You know, now the I know the balls now, you know, with the the, the TP five is a five-piece ball. They're saying that the different levels of compression can add more spin and with with your shorter clubs and longer clubs, and it kind of stretches all the way through, but he, he by far plays the spinniest ball on tour because he knows his strength lies in his control over the ball with his irons, with his wedges, with his short game, with his putter. And he he relies on he relies on taking spin off with his driver with the other parts of the fitting process, making sure the head is, is the right head and the shaft is the right shaft to take spin off. And whereas I think most players, and McLean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, from the guys that I've played with forever, it's like, okay, let's get the lowest spinning ball. Cause I want to hit it further. I want to hit it further and hit it further. And they, they lose some of the, they lose some of the control with their iron game because of that. Um, whereas he still is, is on a, on a, on a different level with that. And he's got, he's got the means to, you know, get fit the, the, the proper way. And he's got, you know, endless amount of, of technology and people working with him to try to get it all dialed in. Whereas other people don't have that, but he still uses a super spinny ball because he wants control over his ball with his irons and and all the way through the bag. Uh, and that's, again, that's his strength. Um, he's always going to hit it far, and he can use, again, the, the the whole fitting process of making sure that he can take spin off of the driver but keep spin with, with all the other clubs, which is why he still is who he is.
2: In my opinion, Jay, and I say that because I don't have actual data to back this up, but I do have some experience to back it up the better players and you look at a lot of your tour players out there and even your better players at each level are more concerned with being able to control the ball around the greens and into the green. Yeah. That is where the most advantage or the, the highest level of advantage really comes from. You you don't, you're not going to see a correlation in lower scores from five, six, 10 more yards off the tee like you will see a correlation of lower scores from more control from the fairway into, or I should just say into the green. Mm -hmm. I don't care if that is around the green as a chip shot or a full shot or a wedge shot, 60 yard shot, whatever it is, when you can control the ball on the green into the green, landing it on the green, controlling it, where it lands, being able to understand what that ball is going to do between the time it lands and the time it comes to rest. Sure. That's where, the higher level of, uh, is a terrible way of saying it, but to me, that's where the, um, it's way more advantageous for the player in terms of uh, a correlation themselves. Well, exactly right. I mean, tiger knows that a half club for him. He's so good with his irons. Doesn't matter, but if he can get up and down one or two more times, yeah in the grand scheme of things, we all know what one stroke means on the PGA tour over the course of a year and how much money that
1: difference really is. And it's earth shattering. We we've, we've done that math before on here. I'm just surprised that more guys don't, don't do the same thing. I mean, I know there are a few guys that try to model what he does with the ball construction, but most of them do not. Most of them play, you know, the, they play the pro V, which is their lowest, lower spinning ball. They play the TP five X, which is their lower spin ball. Most of those guys play that. And I'm surprised that they don't follow suit and, and kind of copy him. Maybe it's a skill set thing. Whereas, you know, he can, he knows that control the ball with more spin with his irons, whereas they just can't do it. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, but I do know that most of them play the lower spinning ball, whereas he plays the most, the the spinniest ball. Um,
2: I think a lot of that is a byproduct of your environment as well. You know, to me, if you look at a lot of the more old school guys, they were more concerned with the amount of spend. Well, and I'll say even beyond that, they were more concerned with how they were able to control the ball around the green. Mm-hmm. The thing that I look at, you know, Justin Thomas, I feel is that same way because his dad's an old school pro mm-hmm. that, and he spends a ton of time around tiger, which is also not to get off on a tangent, totally unlike us. Um <laughs> Charlie's is, is working with Mike Thomas and Tiger Woods. That those are mm, two pretty good spots to come from. That's, all I, gotta That's yeah. all I got to say. That's all I got to say. Keep moving on that. But. You know, understanding the importance of spin, I think, is more of an old school mindset. You know, the new school mindset, so flashy with distance and low spin. And that's that's what everyone these days were taught. I mean, you know, you and I were some of the last guys and Mike as well that ever really played balladus. And we stopped playing them when we were kids. You know, the professional um, I played a wound wound ball in college, the Pro V1 came out in 2000.
1: Yeah, I was playing a wound ball in college. Yeah which is crazy. I mean, not the ballada, but I was still playing a wound ball, you know, I was playing, well, yeah. the, playing the professional
2: <laughs> professional 90 professional 100. That's exactly right. That was the ball right before the pro you want. And, yeah. you know, that's where modern construction of the golf ball changed everything. And overnight guys were hitting it 20 and 30 yards farther because yeah. no, and no one knew why, yeah. unless you had, you know, uh, which, I'm sorry. Unless you had radar technology, which at the time the there was like less than three places in the world, I think, where you could actually get that measured. Yeah, we yeah, didn't have trackman launch monitor technology nowadays, and that allows us to understand. And it's funny because when you look back, there's a couple of products throughout the um kind of that time period between when the pro v1 was launched and when we say pro v1 it was the first modern solid golf ball that changed really how the golf ball is made so really not trying to plug anyone's product but at the same time it it, it's the standard of golf ball for a reason yeah and it changed what it did the technology that was launched at that time every other manufacturer had to figure out a way to make a solid golf ball to compete and none of them unfortunately have ever um done well at doing so at the same time there were a couple of products that came out in that time period between when the pro V one came out and launch monitor technology really became um, a prevalent technology. That's easy for easily accessible. Um, you look back and one of the best ones that I, I find funny, and it was just such an ugly product was the uh, high board driver back in the day. Um, no one looked down at that. and was like, man, this is incredible looking, but you would hit it. It made a funny sound and went 20 yards further and you didn't know why, but the only thing you knew is the ball just made kind of a rainbow you know we were so used to seeing that ball kind of rise as you go out hitting a driver and it was because we had a grooved face with a a balata a, a core or a wound ball round golf ball that would spin up in the air. all of a sudden that thing started rainbowing out there and you didn't really know why but it was 20 yards longer. Come yeah. to find out years later that was because it was spinning very low with that sort of um, that sort of construction. And it's incredible to see when we look back on it, there's a couple of different products you can identify that allowed us to achieve lower spin. And at the time that was giving us more distance, but we didn't know that it was lower spin equating to that.
0: Yeah. You just had well, no, going, way to,
1: no way to track it. Yeah. Go ahead, going like.
0: back to what you were saying, McLean, about the golf ball and you're dead right. And so again, not to plug a certain company's product, but I've played titles golf balls for the last 15 years. It's always sell at the foundry. And so I've done, I had a lot of experience talking to, to Titleist and doing ball fittings with them, and they're the only company that actually recommends going from the green backwards on their ball fittings, where a lot of the other companies, when they do ball fittings, they start off hitting driver. But what Titleist says, and like what you and um, Jay were saying, it's way more advantageous to use a ball that spins more around the greens and with your wedges and short irons to control the ball versus worrying about a couple more yards off of the tee. You're really not going to get that much of advantage, and so, in Titleist's whole line of golf balls, they say when they put them on a robot, and all the characteristics are the same, you know, you they you go down to their lower tier golf balls, which are their distance golf balls, they hit it four yards longer on a robot than a Pro V Pro V One X, but the amount that you lose spin wise and control wise and feel wise around the green, is huge, huge. So again, people say, oh well, Titleist is just trying to sell the Pro V One and Pro V One X because that's the most expensive golf ball yes but when people come into my golf shop i recommend that because again they're missing a lot of greens the average amateur is missing a ton of greens and if they can get a little more control and feel and spin around the greens it's going to help their game tremendously versus playing the discount ball where it just hits and just takes off when you hit a chip shot
2: can i jump in here for real quick have we identified no you can't have we (laughs) had Okay. Well, go fuck yourself. Have <laughs> we identified yet? Cause I apologize. I had to go refill Tori's wine glass. So I did miss a quick second on this, but have we identified why and what the difference is between the average golf ball and that golf ball yet? Because I don't know that everyone understands that because there is a huge difference and there is one item that is synonymous with feel and spin. And it always comes in a little bit higher price.
0: Yeah. It's the cover.
2: you thing. Cover without question
1: it's so it's, wait hold on before you go the bridgestone ball this does not have a urethane cover it's different right what is what is the like the bridgestone ball nah, have a the
2: 330 co- series i'm almost 100 percent certain is some sort of
1: urethane cover it's different though it's different looking than the it's something something is different about the construction
2: yes now I, I don't i don't disagree that there's something mm-hmm. a little bit different with it. srixon had one that was a little bit different yeah. they had something called spin skin TaylorMade mm-hmm. has each company has their kind of certain version of it, but it's a version of a urethane cover. And it, if we don't want to call it a urethane cover, Jay, we could just call it a an improved cover, more technologically yeah. advanced cover. Yeah. And that's where there are a lot of other golf balls out there that doesn't necessarily have to come from one manufacturer or the other. Yeah. I'm not going to trash anyone or suggest anyone. But what I will say is that the one thing that is synonymous across every tour ball, and every quality golf ball. And what I, the one thing I do suggest for anyone that wants to see more response around the greens or into a green, you have to have a golf ball with a urethane cover. There are options out there for amateurs at $25 a dozen. And if you're someone that wants to see that response and you lose a lot of golf balls, those are what you need to be sourcing. You might not need to play a $60 a dozen golf ball. I would almost argue that you. You don't necessarily
0: need to, especially to see maximum
2: enjoyment. Unless
0: and, you're buying golf balls from the Foundry Golf Club, then you do.
2: Pro V1X or Pro <laughs> V1, absolutely. every. If you're a Foundry member and you're not playing Pro V1, you're losing dollars. No, <laughs> regardless. Um, no, there are other golf balls out there, and it it does matter. But the one thing I would urge everyone, and this is coming from someone who was a rep for a golf ball manufacturer with more patents than any other golf ball manufacturer out there at one time. The urethane cover is the secret sauce when it comes to feel and spin
1: around, and especially around
0: the greens. Yeah.
2: Without question. Well, it's So you're not
0: compressing the golf ball. So that's yeah. the only part of the golf ball that's really going to matter when you're hitting a pitch shot. Absolutely. You're not getting to the other layers of the golf ball.
2: Absolutely. And there are other options out there that aren't 50 and $55, whatever it is. Uh, that's all I'm saying. But for the general public, when you're going out there looking for golf balls, urethane covers.
1: Yeah. Agreed. Um,
0: uh, it is a urethane
1: cover on the Bridgestone.
0: It is. Here but it, yeah,
1: it's it, and it's, it, and I, it just, I know that there's different, it's a different material. It's just doesn't look the same, you know, where the, the Bridgestone has a kind of a shiny, like a weird look to it. Whereas the, I feel like the TP, the TP5 and the Titleist have a, a very similar, almost identical cover. Whereas the Bridgestone and the Strixon, it's just a little bit different makeup. I mean, I don't know. No, I don't I really know, know the how
0: paint, to a paint job or what. Yeah, I don't know. If it's it I would yeah. say
2: I would say the the made and the Strixons are bright white, and I would say that the Bridgestone and the Pro V One are not cream, but not that that bright bright white. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you guys noticed that. That's, that's a, again, there's personal something, opinion. something
1: different about them, but if they're both urethane covers and they should all react the same for the most part. So it's probably well, just, you, a, you'll know
2: the difference when you make contact with the urethane cover. All you need to do is go chip a couple golf balls. Yeah, yeah. but no, they, they
0: do all react different. Cause just, just again, again, my, most of my experience, the last dozen years has been strictly with, with Titleist, but the pro V1 and pro V1 X are both urethane covers, but they do both react different around the greens. So absolutely. You know, there's a different different makeup. They're not just all gonna react the same. So you can't just go out and get any urethane covered ball. You gotta do a little testing too.
2: I don't disagree with that. I yeah. don't disagree with that. But if you're not buying a ball with a urethane cover on it, you are giving up performance. Yes,
0: yeah. absolutely. So Charlie Woods looked good. Uh, sorry, that's where we started the
1: conversation. Um <laughs> well, no, I mean, we I know we you, no. you kind of loaded that when you when you, you kind of answered a little bit of everything, McLean with Tiger, and I'll just go back to him. Um, you know, I said the same thing with ball speeds in the 170s. I mean, he wasn't swinging much faster than that before he hurt his leg. I no, mean, I mean, tour average ball speeds 171. Yeah. And he's, which he's, is what Colin Morikawa is. I don't, I don't. And as good as Tiger was swinging his, his mid and short irons and as good as his short game look and those, that 11 hole stretch, I was yeah. like, what there's the only thing holding him back from competing is walking the golf course. That's it. I mean, I mean, I know he wants to be sharper and all that, but if his wedge could, game was on wow. point on point, wow. no, he, I know he was playing, they were playing 7,100 yards, which is probably three <laughs> to 500 yards short of what they would normally play on tour with yeah, firm he, fairways. He had stuff. a lot of wedges. Yeah. Um, he had a lot of wedges, but even still he, he was flagging them. You know, he, he was, he was striking the ball. His Distance great. control was just perfect. And yeah. for a guy who had a huge layoff that that can be hard,
0: even for the best players in the world, you, you don't, you don't know what your yardages are, right? You take a long layoff; it takes a while, especially coming back from injury. Your body's adjusting to it.
1: You don't know. Oh, am I hitting this? Is this a one forty-five club or a one fifty club? Or in he was dialed in competition. He hadn't competed, so he and he would be the first to say, "You know, I can sit here at home and I can have a little match with my buddies." And but when you get in competition, you know the adrenaline's going. Like how how far is this ball actually going under the gun? Yeah. And for him to come out. And, and not not have played in a competitive event in a year um and still come out and and, and flag his irons like that it was i that was the most impressive part of anything um just how sharp he was with his iron game and his wedge game and his putter um and still still had the speed with the driver i don't i i don't think it's gonna i know he, the strength is an issue but i don't think the right leg is having the issues is gonna affect him very much i mean he, you can get away with a right leg uh, injury and and because you just You're only loading on that for just a short period of time, and and you can get off of it quickly. But if it were the left leg, you you, you would have seen a much different uh, Tiger Woods had it been his left leg.
0: Yeah, I've always said, if you're going to injure one, injure the right, not the left. Um, And from what I saw, it looked like he was pushing off his leg fine. It did look like, though, you could tell even as he was riding each day, there was a more and more noticeable limp as the round went on. time he got to 16 17 18 he was he was limping more
1: but i will say the one thing i did notice is when they towards the end of that that second round there and when they were walking around the greens when the when the adrenaline started to kick in i didn't see the limp around the greens when he was walking i mean i'll be honest i I was looking for it and he was walking he was walking pretty briskly when he was helping charlie read some of these putts and I, i mean i'm i'm sure he was probably sore after that but you could tell when the adrenaline kicked in he was just like he was focused on getting a good read for Charlie and making sure they had every, everything, you know, kind of mapped out. Yeah. And I didn't see much of a limp at all, which was, it's kind of cool. Um, and I could totally see that, you know, guy comes into a tournament is a little injured and they're going to, when they start off that you're going to make sure that everybody knows that especially tiger, he's so dramatic. He's going to make sure everybody sees his limp. But once the, yeah. once he gets under the gun, he's like, okay, I'm not playing games anymore. I'm not, this is not for show. I need to make sure I'm ready to go. Um, I thought that was kind of funny. McLean, do you have a
0: point? Yeah,
2: I think ultimately, um, Tiger is very fortunate that Charlie's at the age he is at the time in his life that he is. Because to me, what I saw was someone who's been doing a lot of chipping and putting with his son in the backyard. Yeah, he was tight on his chipping yeah. and putting, and Charlie was too. Yeah, um, quite frankly, I mean, his put- Charlie putting was. Pretty, pretty incredible for someone his age making that many putts on TV. That that, that was incredible. But moving past that, let me let me go out on this one for a minute. So Tiger right now is in a very tough position. He needs someone to motivate him. He needs to have a reason to go chip and putt. And he always has. But right now, you know, he, he has to come back from something. He does have that want. We know he does, but he is injured and he's had a hell of an injury. He doesn't need the money. He, he does have the want and need to compete. That's what makes him who he's been. And I think he does want to prove some stuff, but I think it makes it so much easier when you've got that little kid wanting to go chip and putt every afternoon at night around the house. Um, you know, I it, part of me wants to run down the street and figure out if they put lights up in the backyard. You know, Tiger is the highest property tax owner in my county. <laughs> um, but long story short, I want to know, or actually I know for a fact that this is going to benefit Tiger. He's going to have that reason to go practice over the next few years. Charlie's in his prime going to get ready for hopefully a collegiate career. He's going to play some junior golf and Tiger now has all this vested interest and not that he didn't before, but he's got all this personal interest. I should say not vested interest personal interest in having fun with the game chipping and putting, which we could tell was again at the top of his game, uh, something that he dealt with very publicly and in, in, in very poor form. But right now, Um, I can promise you he's probably got one of the best short games in all of Florida right this second, if not the entire world. So I think he's very fortunate that Charlie's at the age he is. I think Tiger's having fun with golf right now. I think that's good for everyone who wants to potentially see Tiger again. Again, I also think it's going to happen in a golf cart on the Champions Tour in a couple years. But I do think that he's going to be competitive, and I think he's going to have – an incredible short game. I don't think he's going to have to hit the ball that that great to do to possibly do well. I mean, it's crazy to even say that after what we've seen.
1: But, um, yeah, I, I say he plays. I say he comes back and pl- plays before the end of the year, twenty twenty two. I say, yeah,
0: I think it, I don't think you see him before June.
2: But well, what do you guys think on that? What, do, you, do you not agree that having Charlie at his age? Oh, 100 percent. Oh no, I, I yeah. agree with yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I, that I makes a me factor. That makes me think of uh, Jay Haas and Bill Haas. I remember when when Bill Bill is is, is my age, and he, when Bill was number one uh, college player in the country, and at the same time Jay Haas was just getting onto the the Champions Tour, and they were. Super competitive, playing a bunch of golf, and I think that definitely you know spurred him on to have a great you know ten years on the Champions Tour because he was playing so much golf with with Bill and, and competing and um, you know that when dads don't want their their sons to whoop up on them, so they they want to make sure they show them who uh, who taught them how to play golf. So I can certainly see the same thing happening with with Tiger and Charlie and um, and just getting competitive and and just just like Tiger was with his dad when they were when he grew up.
2: Yeah, no, I. I yeah, totally but a little,
1: a little bit different skill set that Earl had <laughs> compared to Tiger. But sure, but still, the things that 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 Tiger didn't learn, you know, from a you know a technical standpoint, you know, he he obviously learned uh, from the a, a mental toughness standpoint from Earl. Um, maybe sometimes learn some other. No, too. I, I totally agree, and I got a little long in it tooth trying to explain <laughs> it.
2: But at the end of the day, all I was saying is that I think he has um, a very unique factor pushing him right now. I think yeah, it'd be it'd be
0: easy very, for him to shut it down if he didn't have it. That's, yeah. that's
2: exactly right.
0: Yeah, I agree. So, um,
1: well, that's not fun. Everybody's agreeing. I know.
0: <laughs> no, you're fucking wrong, McLean. Let me tell you why. <laughs> hey, Tom Brady fucking sucks. <laughs> Whoa, now <laughs> he did not. He, did la- la- he you last today. night. He did last night. <laughs> yeah, uh, I love it. I love it. Um. So, again, it was great to have Tiger back. And, again, it's also a little bit of a tease, though, because, right, it's like, oh man, look at Tiger. Awesome. But then who knows when we're going to see him again. Yeah. And, you know, Tiger can go in the darkness, like we know, and yeah. we legitimately may not hear from Tiger again. I guess maybe we'll see him... A quick picture of him at the champions dinner at Augusta, right? You know, well,
1: like, it, won't he be out for what his tournament out at Riviera is? And he hosting that again, or oh,
0: yeah, I guess his, so. his, yeah, he's the host there and his foundation. Does, he, does he go back
1: there? Does he have a driver? <laughs> I sure hope so. You better, dude, don't drive anywhere out there,
0: please, <laughs> or, or anywhere ever again.
2: <laughs> I'm almost surprised he hadn't come out and said a little bit more about that.
0: He's not going to, I think. Oh, no, he's he not going should. to, he, I
1: mean, he should, I, but. He's not, coming.
2: it just surprised me at this point. He's not just putting it all out there guys. I was going a little quick. Yeah.
1: That's so what yeah. I wish he would just say, just be like, Hey, I don't, I don't it remember would, what happened, but I'm, I'm, i was just driving too fast. I just, I fell asleep. Yes, I, me- no I
2: messed
0: much.
1: up. I yeah. apologize. That's exactly you know, it. I regret yeah. it. Da, 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 da.
2: That's exactly. It would do so much for him as, as in the public's eye. I mean, yeah. I think that's all most people have ever wanted to just take responsibility for it. You know? Yeah. And that's the thing. The public's willing to forgive. Yeah. They really yeah. are, but yeah. they, they just want you to own up to it. It's when you don't own up to it that you end up, you know, becoming yeah. that, you know, skid mark.
0: Yeah. It's an interesting um, cho- choice of words. There.
2: I was struggling <laughs> to find a good one. It's just, you know, it's, it's, a, it's just a little skid mark, you know, it kind of leaves its mark and you keep moving.
0: No, I was also, also because of the, it was a car crash. So there were skid
1: marks. So that was also, <laughs> um, you know, I, <laughs> that's a you didn't even know what you did there. Changed yeah, topics yeah, there, out. but, um, you know, I know we were, we we're talking about Tiger and Charlie, but, I mean, I know John Daly and little John Daly won the tournament, but little John Daly won the tournament. Yeah. If you watch, this kid played his absolute ass off. He made everything. Um, he was – I know he had, didn't play a whole – this is his freshman year at <laughs> Arkansas. It said he only played a couple of events, but this could be He's a huge a little confidence bit. booster for him.
2: Yeah, I, I hope it is, Jay. I, I'm I'm right there with you, buddy. He struggled a little bit in his freshman season, yeah, freshman uh, fall season. Yeah. But uh, he did have some moments of glory. You know, he went out during his first round and shot like 82, but then came back strong with like a big back nine the second day to shoot yeah. a couple under par. Uh, yeah. I think he shot 67, 68. I don't know, but he, he, he played real. Didn't follow up the third round well, but you've seen that he has the ability to yeah. do it. Yeah. I mean, he, he obviously hammers has, it. He's got a big shadow right now. Yeah. I think, and I think that's, that's something that's tough to deal
1: with. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't surprise me if, if he comes back in the spring and, and, and starts contributing and has a good, a good spring season. I mean, to do that on the, on a national stage. Now, granted, he's played in this tournament before, but to do it under the gun, to fend off Tiger and Charlie. I know tar, Tiger is, you know, a year removed from playing any tournament, but he, he, he still played. And went toe to toe with Tiger in a tournament. And, you know, he, I mean, I, he, he played. I mean, he was the MVP of that team. I mean, John Daly was like, I mean, he was putting first, hitting first. It was like kind of half assing it, like, whatever, little John, you take care of it. And he made everything. He cleaned up all of that mess. And it was, I was super impressed with him. I was, yeah, I was pretty was, impressed. <clears throat> obviously,
0: you kind of expect the kid to hit it solid just because of who his dad is, right? But that I was yeah. like, the putting was like, silky oh, smooth and just pouring it in the center
1: pouring in it he made every he made time everything.
0: it was it was pretty, pretty it was crazy. like every time they went to them they're like oh well john daly's already missed the uh birdie <laughs> attempt and then little john gets up there and buries it oh yeah. Right. well john daly he's already missed his attempt let's see what little john can do he buries it again sure. it's like yeah. holy crap
1: yeah it was it was pretty pretty incredible but um yeah i actually i was telling mikey we had a we have a little golf pool and i kind of lucked out and picked them. So I ended up winning our little golf pool, which I mean, everybody was wanted to pick tiger Charlie, but, um, I wasn't, uh, I mean, I knew that they would play well. They played better than I thought they were going to play in all honesty. I just, with tiger, not playing in a, in a whole year, in a year, any competitive golf. And, um, you just never know how he's going to come out and be just not sharp. And, you know, in that thing, in a captain's choice, it's two guy, a two man captain's choice. I mean, it's not as easy as everybody thinks. I mean, I know mm-hmm. these guys shot low numbers, but to birdie 11 holes in a row with a two man captain's choice, like Tiger and Charlie did, that is with that's a 12 phenomenal. year old and a guy who hasn't played golf in a year. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, in all honesty, that's 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 pretty crazy.
0: Um, yeah. The other, another cool thing, hopefully you guys saw this. Did you guys see the video of Nellie Corda? Yes. Meeting, meeting Tiger for the first time. Awesome. No. It was so cool. So on Saturday, first day, her and her dad are paired. I, forget who, I think I should to pair with the dailies in the group in front of Tiger. And so they hung around behind 18 green. And so Tiger comes off and he's messing around at his golf bag, getting his watch on getting his phone, his wallet, all that kind of stuff. And Nellie walks over completely like shitting herself nervous. Yeah, like, smitten. like, uh, Hey, um, yeah. Uh, uh, a tiger. Uh, Hey, uh, <laughs> Um, I, I don't. I mean, I don't mean to bother you right now. I know you got stuff going on, but could uh, could we get a picture together? <laughs> it was like, it was yeah. like so wholesome and yeah. like innocent. Yeah. She's the number one player in the world. Yeah, she's won a major. She won an Olympic gold medal, and she yeah. was like, a, like any of us trying to yeah. like first time ever meeting Tiger. It was like, and then they showed her like so. He's like, oh yeah, Nelly, of course, no problem. Take a picture with her and then her dad and her brother, and you know, kind of shot the shit for a minute on how hard you play, what you guys shoot, this and that. And then the camera was following her as she's walking away, and she's like, oh my god, that was so cool. Like, <laughs> you know, it was—I don't know—it was—it was, it was just—it was just really cool to see. You know, yeah. um, someone Tiger be Tiger for the it, first like a champ. I'll yeah, he
2: he goes, oh Nelly, yeah, absolutely. Hey, yeah, he he was. Super nice about it, which is always cool to see. You know, bit more yeah, to so see f- David Sims all of a sudden <laughs> jump in there.
0: Doesn't like old dogs people, and children old People dogs. <laughs> um, so anyways, yeah, for any of our listeners, if you haven't seen that video of Nelly Corder, go, go check it out. It's like a minute and a half. Um, and it's again, it's just cool. No matter how big you are in this game, Tiger is bigger and he is the king and, you know, we all get nervous meeting Know our heroes and idols, and um, just another example of how good you are at golf, and at the top of her profession, um, still just a little fangirl at heart for Tiger. So that was uh, that was cool to see. And so, there's another interesting kind of changing topics here. There was an interesting um, a a golf podcast that I won't name because you should only be listening to one golf podcast out there, and that's this one. But
1: there's another golf podcast.
0: There's a couple, I think I've heard. That's what people tell me. There is a guy out there, a guy named Lou Stagner, who is a stat geek and has all kinds of data. He now works for Arcos Golf. If you don't know what it is, you can look it up. But he did a little work with a guy named Scott Fawcett for Decade Golf. And Scott is a course management guru coach, he coaches Zalatoris from that standpoint and Shambo and a ton of people and they don't work on golf swing or fitting or clubs or anything. It is how do you play the game? How do you strategize? What do you need to be practicing? What clubs are you hitting off certain tees? How are you approaching the green? And they have a lot of interesting stats. And one of Lou Stagner's things, if you guys are on Twitter, look him up his, he always puts the hashtag manage your expectations. And so he did an interview and I'm, hundred percent behind what he says is uh, from an amateur level. I think a lot of the amateurs out there do not have proper expectations of their own golf game, which can lead to hitting incorrect golf shots or bad mental thing. When you, Oh God, I got to get this up and down because I'm supposed to get this up and down. No, you're really not pal. And when you look at some of these numbers, they're kind of glaring. What you look at the PGA tour numbers are versus what our amateurs think they should do and so here's just a, a few things one of them was actually on tiger woods in his day i'll see if you guys know this from 100 to 110 yards
1: in the fairway how often did tiger hit the green oh how often did he hit the green not not proximity to the not hole.
0: proximity to the hole just hit the green from 100 to 110 yards i'm pretty sure it was fairway
1: I mean, I would I would say eighty percent. Almost spot on eighty percent.
0: Yeah. All right. So one out of five shots, Tiger Woods with a wedge.
1: Misses the green from
0: a hundred. Misses I mean. the green. How many amateurs are out there when they play and they have a hundred yard wedge yeah. shot? They think they need to hit it to ten feet. Yeah. That's
2: a very real statistic for the amateurs out there. Yeah. A very real statistic that they need to take a very good look at and come to some realizations for their golf game. And that's the one thing that, especially in my line of work, where you see so many players, uh, and, and as we all know, as golfers, we're all nuts. We're yeah. all nuts. And then some of the stuff and the expectations that some of these guys come in with, and, and we talk about their games, and they tell me, like yeah, you know I'm a nine handicap now. You know I'm really struggling to hit, you know, more than twelve greens around.
0: That's phenomenal.
2: And, and and I'm and now I'm using that as an example. I'm not saying that's a it's a it's a perfect yeah, scenario. Yeah. No, I know. You but that, that's an example of what guys will come and I'm like, you yeah. know, you're, you're doing fantastic there. It sounds like to me you probably need to work on your putting and also <laughs> need to probably work on being able to get up and down those six times that you're missing the green. Yeah. Because there's obviously missions that are keeping you from lowering that handicap.
0: Yeah. And so h- how I look at it as an instructor, and I talk to a lot of my students about this is I think for the average amateur, and we're, we're taking, we're, I want to use some tour statistics to help out amateurs. And I'm not comparing and we've talked about it's it's ball striking in speed and hit it a long ways on the PGA tour. That does not, does not equate when it comes to an amateur trying to lower scores. The low-hanging fruit is, is short game putting and just course management. So I can't find this exact stat. It has nothing to do with, with an amateur lowering their score. It has nothing to do, even pros for that matter, with making more birdies. It's about bogey avoidance. And in most amateurs' case, it's about double and triple bogey avoidance. And I can't find the exact number, so don't quote these exact numbers. But Lou, did a, uh, Lou and Scott did a study. Of amateurs. So they have a, a website where you can do some stat tracking and they get million or millions of rounds of golf in there from all kinds of abilities and handicaps. There was a group of handicaps that averaged 93, roughly 93 for their score. And then they took an, another group of amateurs that their average was 78. You know what the difference was in birdies per round? 1.1. I know that I know isn't the exact number. 1.1 difference in birdies per round. And you're talking a 15 shot difference in their score. It is all about the big numbers. You know, yeah, Yeah. you want to hit your you want to hit your driver in play. You don't need to hit every fairway. You just need to hit it in play where you have a reasonable shot at the green. You don't have tree trouble. You're not in a fairway bunker. You just need to be somewhere remotely close to the fairway. So you have a reasonable shot to hit the green. And I think amateurs then think they are supposed to hit it way closer yeah. than they do. So here's another stat for you. So there's two groups here. Tour pros versus a scratch amateur. From 150 yards, green hit percentage. A tour pro from 150 yards averages 76%. A scratch 100, 100, 100, 100 What, I'm sorry? 150, 150 yards from the 100. fairway, a tour pro averages 76%. Green and reg from yeah. there. A scratch golfer, we're talking a very good amateur golfer. 61%. Yeah, I was gonna say 60%. Yeah. So if you're a 10 handicap, of course I was listen. gonna say 60 Of course, of course you were.
1: After you said
0: 61%, <laughs> I was gonna say 60.8, but yeah. we'll round up to 61. Um, <laughs> no, but if if you're a 10 handicap and you're listening to this podcast, and we're trying to help people out, we had the, the yeah. conversation about. You know, playing the right golf ball uh, a little while ago. And now, you know, we're all, again, we all have expertise in this industry. So we like to shoot the shit and drink and talk about how Phil Bickles is a douchebag. But we also hopefully can,
1: can help, <laughs> can help Phil. you guys,
0: can help you guys along the way a little bit too. And so I think with a slow golf week, we, we thought we would kind of dive into some of this stuff. But just since it was brought up, uh, there was an article written about Lou and then this podcast. But so if you're a 10 handicap and you have 150 yards, I don't have the numbers here, but if you hit the green, you're gaining strokes, right? In the the strokes gain world that we now live in, if you just hit the green, you're going to gain strokes and you're going to shoot lower scores, right? So I think, again, having the right expectations. Everyone sees these guys on tour, and you get to watch the best players in the world who are playing the best, because they're not showing the guys that have missed the cut or make the cut and finish DFL you're only seeing the top 10 sure. every weekend when you watch golf. So people have a false expectation of even how good the tour pros are. Yeah, They think they get up and down out of every greenside bunker. No, yeah. they don't. Tour average is like 55% yeah. up and down out of a greenside bunker. And I work with AMS and they're like, oh man, I just I just can't get up and down. I'm like, well, if you can get it out on the green, that's all we need to do. Yeah, Get it out and get on the green. You're not going to make a double.
1: Um on that point though, like I know you're given you're given a lot of stats for for specific you know ranges, um, but expectations just in terms of playing a round of golf, like and how well you should play, not necessarily on each individual shot, but think about um, you know, say you're a say you're a five handicap, you know, playing against a 15 handicap. You know that you're a better player. So your expectation of how well you should play. It, it it lowers you're like hey i don't i don't have to shoot 72 3 4 5 6 i'm a five handicap i don't have to do that i'm playing against a you know it obviously if, if no strokes are involved here if you're just playing a casual round of golf with a buddy and he's a 50 handicap you a five your expectations drop a little bit knowing that you you don't have to play perfect golf and then what happens now you you your body relax a little bit um the tension level drops a little bit and now obviously then you start hitting good shots. So I always, I always equate this on, at the higher level, you know, I'm trying to bring it down to, uh, you know, an amateur level, but think about, think about the guy who's on the PGA tour, who is, you know, your, your mid-level or lower level PGA tour player. He's kind of struggling to keep his tour card and he's, and he's dropping back to a web.com event or I'm sorry, a corn Ferry event now. And they go out, and they just shot 75-77 in a PGA Tour event, and the next week they go play a corn fair event, and they win. They shoot 20 under par. Like, wait a second. Like, there's no statistic that you can look up and say, well, you know, in this event you were hitting your wedges, you know, f- to 25 feet, but then next week you go out and you hit them to – you're hitting your wedges to 10-15 feet. There's nothing Nothing's changed with the skill set there. It's just the expectation of – of your competition who you're playing against. And you know that you're better than these players because you're on the PGA tour. And now you drop back and play in a corn fairy event. And then all of a sudden the pressure is off because they're like, Hey, I'm, I'm on the PGA tour. You're on the corn fairy tour. I'm better than you. So now you go out and relax and just play how you can play. So to the same point that you're saying, I know you're giving more, Mm -hmm. you know, statistical statistical, uh, you know, you know, background there. This is more of a psychological background of expectations. Like I'm playing against guys who I've already beaten. I know that I'm better than them um, just for the status of where I play, you know, right now I'm on the PGA tour. So and the same can be said for an amateur that's a scratch golfer playing against a 10 handicap. They're like, Hey, I'm, you know, I, I'm better than you. So I, I, then you take a breath and you relax and now it allows your body to do what you're good at and, and allows you to play the type of golf that you can play. And that's when, that's when players play their best golf, you know, where they don't feel that pressure. They don't feel that stress, which again which is why we all like watching you know professional golf because these guys you want to see the guys play the best golf under under the under the most extreme pressure that's what it gets us all excited you know um which is hard to find i mean most guys you know it's hard for them to do that but when they do it and that's when we you know hoot and holler and get all excited like when tiger's out there and that's what that's what's still is incredible about tiger is that he's under the most extreme microscope unlike anyone else and he just still he always performs i mean even when he's not playing well it's still incredible which still blows my mind well
0: to use tiger as what scott fawcett and lou have have put out there before they went back and they charted through shot link in his shot link era pretty much every approach shot into a green and people always have this perception of tiger being a very aggressive player he was actually one of the most conservative golfers to ever play. And every shot that he hits, it's not every shot, but the scatter plot, the majority of his shots are flag high towards the center of the green. Yeah. Right. If you can hit, and I've always said this at the foundry and I wanted to do this one day is, as I'm going to go out and I'm going to take every flag stick out of the hole, just hit the middle of the green, see what they hit it to the middle of the green. If people don't know where the flag stick is and they just get the center yardage to, or, and again, green, green shapes can change and they're different. And sometimes the, the back portion of a green can actually be the widest portion. If you just tried to hit to the fat of every green, it may not necessarily be the dead center of yeah. the green. You're going to shoot lower scores because you're going to be on the green. Yeah. I'd rather you on the green putting than chipping or in a bunker or short sided or trying to gouge one out of the rough. You're just not going to do it at a, at that higher percentage. Again, we've talked about this from a professional level, the strokes gained, they're trying to get two tenths of a stroke here. Another three tenths of a stroke year, and all that added up over a four round event. Now you all of a sudden you win. Well, it's the same if if you're a 20 handicap and you're trying to get down to a 12 handicap, it's the same thing. You got to. save a half a shot here a quarter shot here and doing these little things make it a lot better people think i gotta go out and pound golf balls yeah yeah i mean that's obviously going to help if you're doing it the right way you're working on the correct things and practicing the correct way if you have have, that that's
2: one one of the biggest issues in amateur golf right there and you're exactly right mike the variance is different that's where the average or the tour player might be looking at a quarter of a stroke but at the same time the average player might be able to pick up three strokes. Mm -hmm. And and there, because what a lot of people don't realize a scratch golfer can't get five shots better for the most part, No, you know, unless he turns into a tour player and he he's, he's a scratch golfer at 16 and he's a plus five in college. He can get five strokes better, but odds are if you're a scratch golfer, the, the chances of you becoming five shots better are almost, it's like winning the lottery. Yeah. Yeah. However, if you're a 15 handicap, the odds of you becoming a 10 are at, oh. are, are much, much better. It, the odds of you even becoming a seven, seven and a half,
1: a yeah. five, cut 10 strokes off are much higher. Yeah. Margins, the margins are, are larger there. You've got more room for improvement. That's exactly um. right.
2: But I will say this. The one thing that I feel certain and I'll take to my grave, my my, my one instructional uh, thing that I think is basically flawless is that you practice each part of your game equal amount of time, putting, chipping range. If you have an hour to kill, you putt for 20 minutes, you chip for 20 minutes, you hit balls for 20 minutes. If you have three hours to kill, putt for an hour, chip for an hour, hit balls for an hour. Don't spend three hours hitting golf balls. It's not going to get
0: you anywhere. You Amen. motherfucker. Three hours
2: putting, but if you can't get to the green, yeah, we're not there. Well,
0: and the other thing too, is I think people practice putting wrong. If they do practice it, I see so many people practice 20 footers. Don't do not practice a 20 footer ever again in your life. This is what you practice. You practice three to 10 feet. And then you practice 40 and 50 footers. If you get good distance control, if you can lag. Now, try to make every putt you hit. I don't care where you are. You're trying to make it. We're not trying to get it to a three foot circle. We're trying to make that thing. But if you get good at trying to make it from 40 feet, you're going to be tight and we're going to be kicking it in. But if you can practice straight to 10 feet and then 40 feet with your distance control, that's all you need to do. Let's see if you guys know this. You guys will probably know this one stat. Tour average from 10 feet.
1: I think it's fifty percent less than fifty percent.
0: It's thirty-eight percent.
1: Yeah.
0: The PGA Tour average people are, are our listeners listening. Yeah. Tour average from ten feet is thirty-eight percent, and I get so, guys walk off the golf course. Ah, played well today, but I missed a couple of ten footers. Well, yeah, no shit. You're gonna miss most ten footers you hit. So on that,
2: that's exactly the difference between expectation and reality with the amateur yeah. golfer for a lot of a tour player. We already touched on this. A yeah. tour
0: player averages
1: making one putt longer than thirteen feet around one. Yeah, there there are times where I mean you you'll see the stat you know if you're watching the PJ Tour event and they'll be like hey you guys have made one putt outside of ten feet and he's he's in he's in the top five. It happens every week that a guy can do that. So to your point, Mikey, you know Doc Rattella and I. If, if the listeners don't know who Doc Rattella is, then you're not really a golf fan, but he's one of the most.
2: Odds are you didn't find this podcast. Yeah. He's one of the
1: most well-known golf, golf psychologists, you know, there is, he's not kind of started it. I mean, he worked, he works with, he worked with Jimmy Johnson and NASCAR, LeBron James, uh, you know, baseball. I mean, he, he works across the board. So, and I was just lucky enough to just know him and, and he was able to shed some light on me, but we talked about the exact same thing in 2009. I, we, we sat down and, and kind of went over the same thing. And we were, I was looking for some type of epiphany, like, and I was like, oh, I'm just a, a mental midget. You know, he's going to just help me. We're going to go over this new mental plan. And we sat down in his, in his uh, basement for, you know, two hours. And all we did was talk about how to practice and how to prepare. So he had been keeping his own stats. This is kind of, you know, Shotlink came out, was it, it 2000 and 2004? 2004. So he had been keeping his own stats for about 15 years um, on a lot of this stuff. You know, obviously not quite as detailed, but pretty close. And and we kind of narrowed things down, and he was – and, and it, was, it was specific to my game, but it, it, we kind of broke it down into into this segment. He was like, hit it as far as you can and in play. Is like, hit it as far as you can, but keep it in play. It's like, whatever you have to do is like, you know, you work with your instructor, you guys figure it out. I don't care if you had a draw, had a cut whatever you have to do, hit as far as you can, keep it in play. And then from there, from let's from 200 yards to 150 yards, he's like, I don't care, don't practice it. He's like from 150 yards, you know, we, we called those our scoring clubs, you know, whether it was a nine iron, maybe eight iron, whatever it was from there down, be as absolutely good as you possibly can. That's where you spend your time on the range. He's like, don't even hit balls on the range with your driver. Get on the golf course, learn to hit the ball and play in between the trees. You're not doing yourself any favors by hitting your driver on the range. He's like, you're not going to learn anything. There's no consequence on the range hitting your driver because it's huge. There's nothing, to, there's nothing saying, there's no trouble. It's like, learn how to hit your driver on the golf course, but hit as far as you can. The next thing was hit your scoring clubs as close as you can. And then after that, he was like, learn how to pitch the ball. He's like, I don't care about chipping. And this was, and and this was, this was a huge, this was a big difference for me. He's like, I don't care about chipping. He's like, you need to learn how to pitch the ball. If you're a great pitcher of the golf ball from 20 to 40 yards, you're gonna be a good chipper. He's like, around the greens. He's like, learn how to pitch the ball, learn how to hit the ball. He's like, give yourself three shots when you're pitching. Have something you hit pretty high, something that you hit like a medium trajectory and something that you kind of hit a lower pitch shot. Learn how to do those. You're gonna be a great chipper. And then he said, don't hit bunker shots. He's like, no, he didn't say don't hit bunker shots. He just said, don't spend too much time hitting bunker shots. It's like, it's, you, you won't hit in that many bunkers throughout the course of a round." This is all, this is all his Yeah, the stats that he kept.
0: It's pretty, it's pretty wild that he just doing his stats have come up with basically what all these guys now say and all these yeah. analytics guys and shot link guys. And is Mark Brody out there? Who's another guy that, you know, he essentially yeah. created strokes gained.
1: This was t- this was 15 years ago. You know, he was telling me this. You know, again, it was driving and play wedges and scoring clubs. Learn how to pitch the ball. Skip over lob shots. Skip over bunker shots. And he's not. Again, he didn't say never hit a bunker shot. He just said, you know, hit. You know, you can go out and hit a. You know, feel the sand. Hit a couple bunker shots. Get a feel for it. He's like, but you may play an entire round of golf and never hit a bunker shot. You may hit a. You may hit a, may not hit a bunker shot in two or three rounds. If you if you're driving the ball in play and playing you and hit your wedges, good. You may yeah. better, you may not hit a bunker shot, and then and then he skips over to the to the green and said exactly what you said. He said learn how to learn how to putt the ball really well inside of ten feet. He said eight to eight to three feet. That was his that was his number, eight to three feet, and then after that put thirty five footers and beyond. He's like you really don't need to hit if you're a great if you've got great speed from thirty five to forty feet you're going to, you're going to be really good from 15, 20 feet. And if you're really good inside, uh, you know, inside of eight feet, then you're never going to three putt. And that, that was pretty much it. He's like, that's where you divvy your practice. And I, you know, I, we, I did that right after he said that I was left. I was like, wow. I was like, I didn't know I was going to get a, you know, training lesson. I thought we were going to get something, you know, some real good stuff, but I ended up practicing that way that year I played on the, it was the Tar Heel tour e-golf tour. I'd, I didn't win that year, uh, but I'm only missed one cut, one or two cuts, I think. And I'm mean, like, I'm, I am i am i do not want to say that you can fact check me, but I played really well and I only missed a couple of cuts. And then the following year in 2010, I didn't miss a single cut. Um, and I played, I mean, for mini tour golf, I mean, I played 45 events in those two years and only missed a handful, you know, uh, less than five cuts in two years, which that's incredible for mini tour. You're just trying to make, you know, make money to keep playing and, Well, even
0: even just from a from an amateur level of of the people that we're talking to is yeah you might you might not go out and play your best round of golf every time, but you're gonna your your high scores are gonna come down. And like again, we're just trying to have fun with this game. And when we go out and we play really bad and we shoot a bad number, that gets us pissed off and we don't like it. But if we can start to bring that bad number down. You're still going to have the really good days, and you're probably going to have yeah. better, more good days if you if you kind of do some of these things and think about some of these things. Um, just yeah, so you, you have a little more fun.
1: Yeah, you're going to have more fun. You're going to enjoy the game more because you're not having those really bad days, those really embarrassing days. You, you know, you can eliminate those. You can go out and play and like, oh, I didn't play well. You know, I'm, I'm a scratch golfer and I shot 74. You know, all right, yeah, you didn't, you, but you didn't shoot 80. You know, you didn't shoot eighty five as a scratch golfer. You you know, you shot a couple over par. And then, like like I always say, you know, with, with golf instruction, not just swing instruction, but you know, golf psychology. You, the whole goal is to is to uh, make your bad days not as bad and your misses not as bad. You know, you're not trying to go out there and flush every shot. You're trying to make sure when you do miss it, it's still pretty good. And you go out and have a day where your timing's a little off, but you, you've practiced the right things. So when you're a little off in all these areas, you're still pretty good, and that's that's when your scores come down. Um, and I, I hate to I, mean, I hate to say it, but he was he was spot on. He was spot on. I don't I, really, I don't hate to say it because he's he's a yeah. he's a smart guy. But it, it's it really is almost as simple as that. You know, I know the I know the game. It's a simple game. It's a simple concept, but it's obviously hard to execute. You know, you're taking this little teeny white ball and you know trying to hit it you know, 7,200 yards around a, a golf course and get in the hole. But the concept is simple. And if you can, if you're, if you're able to keep it simple and, and keep the, your approach to the game and the way you practice simple, then, then act the, the, the the actual playing of of golf on the golf course can be simple. You know, it's like, Hey, oh, all right, let's just drive it and play. Let's just hit our wedges close. Let's pitch the ball well, and let's have good speed control and make our short putts. And we get in, get out of there and we shoot a good number.
0: Yeah, here, so here's another stat, again, to kind of put this to amateur golf. An, a, a scratch amateur averages 4.7 bogeys per round. Talking about a scratch amateur. Yeah. Right, so 25% of the holes they play, they're making a bogey. One out of every four. Yeah. The best players at your club, wherever you are listening, the best players at your club are making four to five bogeys a round. So, again, if you're a 10, 15 handicap, that's okay to make bogeys. Bogeys are okay in this game. If you're a,
2: well, that a goes, club golfer, that, that goes right to the argument I've always made is that, you know, guys making birdies aren't necessarily the best players in the world. It's the guys that are limiting the amount of mistakes they're making because you're not a scratch player bogeying five holes around um, without making a couple of birdies to make up for it. So ultimately, those guys know how to make birdies just the way PGA Tour players do. However, there's a lot of tour players that'll go out and have three or four birdies and only make one or two bogeys and yeah. still scrape it by with 69, 70, 71. Yeah. Versus the scratch player or average player that that's a 74, 75 every time he tees it up.
0: Yeah. You know, and so another interesting stat again just the Tour players are unbelievable, but they're not as good as you think. That's tour, tour average on a two hundred and ninety yard par four. What's the average score, tour guys? Three
1: point eight six. Pretty on close. A wh- on a which hole? I'm sorry, a three hundred?
0: A two hundred and ninety yard par four. <laughs> <laughs>
1: just, what is the
0: what is the tour average?
1: I mean, is that just is that a across the board or is that a, a certain gen- hole? Is no, a- I think it's a generic. You
0: oh, okay. know, from that yardage.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I would say it's ju- I would say it's probably just under four, but not much.
0: Yeah, it's three point nine. Yeah. All right. Again, you asked you go to a, the men's grill at the Foundry Golf Club on a busy day. And if I took a poll, everyone's like, ah, oh, three and a half. Yeah. Three three and a quarter. They're always gonna make birdie there, right? No, they're just barely making more birdies than bogeys yeah. on a 290 yard hole, which most of them can hit the three with there. Yeah. You know, so again they're not as good as you think so i don't want to belabor this but i just thought it was it was interesting since it came up recently um and i i love lou's stuff so again if you're on twitter follow lou stagner uh s-t-a-g-n-e-r and he'll have some good stuff um to just kind of put in perspective what you should be happy and upset about and it'll 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 help your games so we are here to help we can be (laughs) <laughs> drunk drunk douchebags But we'll, we'll try to help you occasionally <laughs> i like it i like it so um but we'll uh we'll call it a day unless you guys get anything else
1: no it was great man mclean's
0: mclean's got a uh sleeping baby in his arm so he probably can't talk
1: <laughs> yeah no
0: right. perfect timing <laughs> 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 and so um that was fun, guys, and hopefully you guys took something from that conversation, and um, we're going to start the Charliewood Fan Club if it hasn't started yet already.
2: No, we're not doing that. We're not putting pressure on him. Not, not If I'm going to be a member of the media, I'm not taking that side of things. I remain <laughs> neutral, and I wish him the best neutral. of luck. We will okay. see him in 2035.
0: Objective party.
1: <laughs> 2035.
0: <laughs> what year is it? Nah, it's a little long. that's a little long
2: we'll see him in 2028 there you go there you go i like
0: that um i did see i think i sent you guys that that meme it was like this girl was like hey my parents aren't home yeah do you want to come over and the guy's response was no i gotta watch a 12 year old play golf (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: oh yeah i saw that a lot of guys a bunch of different versions of that going around
0: it was uh pretty much how it was this weekend so hopefully you guys did catch that and enjoyed it and We wish everyone a happy holiday season. Merry Merry Christmas. Christmas, Absolutely. Enjoy it with the families and the kiddos. And uh, we'll be back next week, I think, for episode 50 of the Emergency Nine golf Podcast.
1: Nice. (laughs) Big moment.
0: All right, gents. Take care.
1: All right. You got it. Cheers.